What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. I'm Ellie Nieves, and I'm a woman's leadership speaker and coach. Welcome to the Christian Career Women Podcast. If you're a Christian woman who wants to honor God, live with purpose, be known for excellence and integrity, and achieve work-life balance, then this podcast is for you. At Christian Career Women, our goal is to help you aspire, achieve, and thrive in your faith, life, and work. To learn more and to join our free online community, go to ChristianCareerWomen.com. Enjoy the podcast. Welcome, ladies. Thank you. Thank you. Welcome to our Courageous Conversation. The past couple of weeks have been uh, difficult, challenging, Mm -hmm. disturbing, Many of us have struggled to make sense of all the uh, unnecessary and devastating hurt and damage that has been caused by racism in our communities and the tragic and brutal killings of George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor, just demonstrate that we still have a lot of work to do in exposing and eradicating systemic and institutional racism in America. Last week, the Christian Career Women Network hosted a courageous conversation in the form of an open forum for our members and others to share their personal experiences, ask questions, and to learn from each other. And today, we're going to take that conversation to the next level. We're going to engage in a God-led, Holy Spirit-driven discussion about the role that we as Christian women in the marketplace can play at home, at work, and in our communities to share God's love during this time. Our first guest is a returning guest, Mita Washington. Mita is an on-air personality for Kirk Franklin's Praise Radio Show on Sirius XM Satellite Radio in New York City. She is also the founder of letspraytogether.org. And our second guest is Lisa Lord, who participated in our Courageous Conversation just last week. Lisa is an HR executive for Fortune 500 companies across multiple industries. And as an executive coach, consultant, workshop facilitator, and speaker, Lisa's focus is to help leaders to transform themselves and as a result, transform their organizations. Mira and Lisa, welcome to the Christian Career Women Podcast. Thank Thank you. you. Thanks. So I just want to give you guys a few seconds to uh, just share a little bit about yourselves. And maybe Mira, we can start with you and then Lisa, we can have you uh, share. Sure. As Ellie mentioned, I am an on-air talent for Kirk Franklin's Praise on SiriusXM. I've been in the position for about 20 years now on air. Um, It's a passion of mine to work with God's people. I've done so through connecting churches and people who are looking for churches through my website, letspraytogether.org. And anyone who's tuned in um, to the show on Tuesdays, they know that I take the opportunity to do you know, a little fun time with the Lord and, you know, just have a Bible trivia where, you know, people can kind of interact and take an opportunity to learn more about the word. Great. Thank you. 
Thanks. It's so nice to meet you. Uh, so, I'm, hi, I'm Lisa Lord, and I actually do consulting work on my own now since I've left corporate life. Uh, and um, as I told the people that joined us last week, God, was that last week? Uh, it's really something new for me as a white woman to recognize that I had been inattentive to and even guilty of invalidating and inflicting harm because of the fact that I was socialized white. And it was a kind of rude awakening for me when I saw myself through the eyes of Robin D'Angelo who wrote a book called White Fragility. And it made me realize I needed to look at myself more deeply and understand uh, what I needed to do to be different. Um, not, you know, where I needed to march or send the check, but what was the work I needed to do to figure out how could I behave that way and not even known it? And what could I do to be different? And that's been how I pivoted my work in the past year and a half. And the irony of it is people weren't ready to hear me and, you know, call it divine intervention. It's so sad that there had to be a tipping point of such sadness, but that tends to be what happens with tragedy that maybe it wakes people up to learn. And so my perspective is that of a white woman trying to help other white women figure out what we need to know to be better. That's wonderful, Lisa. And that's actually why I invited Lisa to be a part of this discussion, because when I met Lisa a year ago, this was what she was sharing. Uh, and it was interesting because at the time, uh, things felt like they were okay, right? We didn't have any major issues on TV that we were dealing with that were dramatic the way they are right now, right? Dramatic in a way that it's forcing us into a conversation. And it was interesting because Lisa, when you shared that that was the message that you were leaning towards, I was asking myself, I'm like, that's interesting. Who's gonna hear her right now, mm -hmm. right? Um, but I just, you know, as a Christian woman, I believe God was preparing your heart, right? He yeah. was preparing you for this moment. And absolutely, we're all prepared to hear uh, not only our black and brown brothers and sisters in their struggle, but we're also prepared to hear the voices of the allies who are prepared to step up and also lend their voice to this very important conversation. That's correct. So Mira, I'm really interested in hearing what you might be hearing. You're, you've got your finger on the pulse of the community. Uh, I know you, people are reaching out to you. What are you hearing from the community? Well, a lot of what the community is talking about right now, I mean, they were already feeling the weight of what was going on with the pandemic. And this is just like one more, one more thing, mm -hmm. but it's the timing in which it all is happening. I think a lot of the community, they're still searching for connections of, you know, what is God doing right now? God is obviously doing something where he's basically reset the whole world, put everybody on pause. Now it's like we have this moment of unrest that could have come, you know, at, uh, you know, maybe four months ago before the pandemic, but it happened now at a time where people are available, people, you know, are available to participate in these types of protests and pay attention 
in ways that they hadn't done before. So I think a lot of what's going on in the in the faith-based community is people are trying to make sense of why is it happening now, as opposed to, you know, we've gone through 400 years in which we've, you know, kind of pivoted in different ways and dealing with racism and dealing with race, you know, uh, relations and issues that have cropped up, well, why now? You know, why is it suddenly become, you know, we put our attention on it for once, collectively. And Lisa, how about you in the community that you're in? You're working with HR professionals and mm -hmm. corporations and others who are also very active in having these discussions and talking about how they can now take those transformative moves that are necessary in order to transform the workplace. So it's really interesting. There's a definite desire to do something, like a feeling of frustration in the communities I work in that what can I do? How can I do more? Um, what can I make happen? And the piece that I'm hoping to bring to the conversation is to quit looking just at what you can do with your hands and focus rather on what you can do with your heart. Because as soon as we get inside ourselves, inside our own heart, and we start sort of opening up What's going on in my house? What are the messages I've been ingesting? What have I been spewing and not really considering the impact that it had on people? And what I would say is these communities of HR, a lot of women, a lot of white women, a lot of women in pharma, because I have a big pharmaceuticals background, uh, they're finally experiencing me not as, militant right so you know the same biases were held against me raising issues about race as they're held against anyone who raised issues about race but this opening that we've got this gift that we've got of a chance to converse has just opened up the eyes and ears of the people i interact with so the people who think that it's okay in human resources to compare groups by um, minority and non-minority. And I say, well, what is non-minority? Isn't that white people? And, well, well, I don't think we could say that. Why can't you say that? We're white, like what's wrong with it? So those kinds of things that people never would have been open to exploring seem to be because there's a bit of rawness there's an opening in their hearts to hear. And what they really are struggling with is how, how could I do anything that could make any difference? And that's the message that I'm hoping people start to get. Actually, it's the opposite. Anything you can do can make a difference. I actually wanted to speak to Lisa, knowing that she's HR, just to share some of the things that, you know, over the years that I kind of found myself accepting as this is just the way it is. Oh. I mean, I have had people say to me in the office, oh, you're very, you know, not in the radio station, this is the other, yeah. but, um, you know, oh, you're very articulate. Mm -hmm. Or someone would say, um, where are you from? Yep. You know, or another one that had come my way was um, I, someone said, oh, 
someone literally said to me one time, I took the initiative on doing something that I knew had to be done. Like there were steps involved. And when she realized I did, I made the steps, she said, oh, you were smart enough to know to do that. She literally uh -huh. said those words to me. And I, 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 not that it matters. I wasn't a teenager. I wasn't in my 20s. I was already in my 30s at that point when that was said. And I say that to say again, you know, oftentimes people of color have come to take these interactions as this is just the way it is when you are dealing with people right. that are not of color and it's just part of the game. And we learn to put on two faces, the one that looks non-threatening, the one that is happy even when you're not happy because you don't want to look assertive or aggressive at the wrong times. Mm -hmm. And just the one that hears those types of things and will go home and kiki about it and laugh about mm -hmm. it with friends and relatives, but the hurt that- It's still there. You know, exactly. Yeah, and I'm, I'm so sorry for that experience. And I so understand it that um, it's, it's HR that people go to in the workplace. And when they hear, oh, it's just in your imagination, or they hear, well, why does everything have to be about race? Or you just don't know him. You're interpreting it the wrong way. That's not what he meant. I have to tell you, I still get that from people who are not open-hearted enough yet to hear. And what I realize is there is an amount of grace and kindness and compassion that has been offered to me as a white woman my entire life from women of color and particularly from black women who just say, oh, she doesn't get it. And they find a way to still keep going. It breaks my heart to think that anybody would have to come into the workplace and not be able to bring their true authentic selves. And there's so much research that the highest performing teams are ones where everyone on the team feels like they can bring their true authentic selves and they don't feel like they have to put on that mask or be guarded. But more importantly, workplaces are a place of human beings and human resources seem to have forgotten that we're human. And I know for me in the past, I didn't recognize I had literally put up a veil or a guard between me and women of color unnecessarily, but it was what I'd ingested. So of course it's what came out of me. So until I started ingesting something different, consuming a diet of things that were created by black people, consuming media, reading black Twitter, following Rachel Cargill, paying attention to Red Table Talk, just finding a way where I could hear things and consume things that were different from my natural white upbringing and the privilege that that afforded. I have to consume that every single day to keep myself in check. I don't, I don't know if that answers your question about HR. There's clearly a lot of work for us to do there. Yes, I love what you were saying about consuming black media and diverse yeah. media. I just turned on Amazon Prime this weekend and they had a whole slew of 
movies focused on the black experience in America. And these are movies that would typically cost something to rent and they uh, provided, they're providing them for, for free. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and in this day and age, we could even go on YouTube and just or, or Google things about the black experience in America, right? So there are so many tools at our disposal today that we can very easily uh, just tap into so that we can learn if we're not already well-versed or well-educated about a particular group of people. And in this day and age where we encounter so much diversity in this country, it's really incumbent upon us to step out of our comfort zones Mm -hmm. to learn more. And what I've heard uh, some of my neighbors say is, well, that's not a problem here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. No, it is a problem. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a there's an analogy I heard someone use and I'll clean it up, you know? <laughs> it's like, you can't do your business in one side of the pool and don't expect that it will not spread to the other. That's right, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. And I have to say that the part about consuming and ingesting, what was really important to me was having access to someone who was open to talking about this with me because I was processing my own stuff because with it came a lot of shame and guilt and um, that's not going to get anybody anywhere. So I had to work on that stuff. But when I started discovering things, I wanted someone to share it with. And the funny part was if I reached out to a friend, an African-American Latina woman really started me on this whole path. She's a terrific friend. When I'd reach out to her, she'd just laugh at me like, you never knew that. And I'm like, oh, I guess I need to be reaching out to other white people to tell them what I'm discovering. That what I learned about um, the Tulsa massacre and Black Wall Street and listening to 1619 on the New York Times podcast and hearing the actual stories and the facts and the truth and recognizing systemic racism isn't a bunch of white guys in the back room saying, how can we get the black guy? It's really the belief in the fear that drove actions that have become fabric and woven into how everything is operating today. And unlearning that and reading Stamped from the Beginning by Ibram Kendi, like all these things I've started ingesting and learning and they all force me to recognize that it was all out there all the time. I just never saw it before. I'll give you one example as sort of a metaphor. I had the good fortune of living abroad for a couple of years with work. I lived in Germany. And when I got there, I had three kids, a husband, a dog. I went grocery shopping and I remember calling my husband and saying, I can't find anything to make for the kids. This is awful. And about three weeks later, I'm in the same grocery store and I call my husband and I said, oh my God, they have brownie mix. Well, the brownie mix had been there all the time, but I didn't know how to look for it. I wasn't open to finding it. And that's what I think is so critical that it's not about getting defensive. It's not about... Um, telling other people they're wrong and you're right. It's, it's about being open-hearted enough to let something else in and let something new come out instead of the same thing that was just sort of created by somebody else that I had no say in. Yes. 
you hit it exactly on the nail, which is what I want to communicate to my neighbors and people in my community, which is that we just need to be open to understanding that someone else's experience can be very different than ours. Mm -hmm. And just because we haven't been exposed to something doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. And if anything, if we do hear a lot of voices outside of where we stand saying something, then that's a step and a call for us to actually say, you know what, let me stop for a minute. I'm hearing this a lot. I might not see it in my everyday, but I'm hearing it a lot. Why am I hearing it so much? What can I do now to educate myself about what I'm hearing to see if there is something going on and to see what role I might play here? I think one of the things that's kind of fascinating me about this moment is I'm wondering where is it going? Uh, you know, is with the momentum that's going on, is there going to be a permanent shift or is this just, I've got time and mm -hmm. it's a, I, I, I would hate to think that it's a fad. I know. Oh my you gosh. Know? I have the same fear. Yeah. Or maybe, or maybe God has chosen this moment because we have time. That's right. right. And that's, right. and that was the, the thing of why now? Yeah, because we're, we're always so distracted with our day-to-day, -day, mm -hmm. right? That it's easy to shut the TV off or to shut the news off or to pretend things aren't happening in the workplace when we're encountering, encounter, encountering microaggressions or situations like that. Mm -hmm. But here we are, we're in a situation where we need to stop, think, focus. I think that before we even got to this place or as we were leading up to this place because of the COVID-19 virus, a lot of people were engaging in a lot of self-analysis, mm -hmm. a lot of self-reflection, uh, just a lot of uh, inventory taking. Mm -hmm. uh, so perhaps, you know, it was for such a time as this, right, where people were actually having to look inward to uh, reassess their lives, reassess what their priorities were, uh, to really stop and look and see what's really happening in our society and take um, accountability for the role that each of us play and what plays itself out on the, in the media. Yeah. I think it's kind of important to look at the timing of it. As you mentioned, Ellie, it happened exactly like three months into the new year. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a time in which everybody's saying, okay, I'm going to do this and I'm going to make these types of changes. And you literally have a mental list that you have already prepared on your own, you mm -hmm. know, for what's happening in the next three months, six months, but this yeah. year. And it all you know, came to a screeching halt immediately. Right. And, you know, for a lot of people of faith, it was like, okay, you know, we're just going to pray through it and we'll be over it. But it's like, okay, now we're six months into it. Yeah. So now it's a, a bit of, you know, it's a challenge for the faith-based community and saying, okay, so we're not physically going to church anymore, but we are still meeting virtually. Yeah. Um, it's kind of sort of, are we physically ever going to go back into the church? Is this what it is now? So, you know, to now have, you know, these other challenges on top of it, it was kind of like, okay, we've got it figured out now. And, mm -hmm. you know, God kind of steps in and goes, uh-uh, you know, yeah. you don't have this thing figured out because people are like, okay, we're going to get past the pandemic and then this is what we're going to do. And right. then, 
Mm-hmm. Right. But I think, Nita, that I love what you're saying, because I go back to what you asked me at the beginning about HR. I think it was, OK, this is the world. This is the box we're allowed to operate within. Now we know what we're going to go do. And it's as if God said, no, 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 you've defined that box way too small. Mm-hmm. And there are way bigger plans for you. And you need way more support than is currently being offered to you. And so here you go. Mm-hmm. Here's the opportunity. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I think that one of the things I worry about is I know from working in corporate America and just from being an American, we have a very um, strong work ethic built into our culture. And that work ethic leads people to do, to act, to be productive. And so one of the benefits of COVID was it forced people to quiet down and still a little bit, maybe to hear that voice within. But because it's in our nature and we're so hardwired to act, I worry that people won't do the self-work I know is necessary. So uh, I'll give you another example. One of the people I follow is Leila Saad. She wrote a great book called Me and White Supremacy. And um, brilliant. I got to see her speak in person before COVID. And I remember she said something. She was telling a story about an experience her little girl had at school. And she said, well, you need to tell your friend that what she said was racist. And I remember sitting in the audience. Now I've been working on myself. I'm doing my work, sitting in the audience. And I cringed and I thought, oh my gosh, that's that nice to tell a girl she's racist, a little girl. And then like, because I've been doing the work, I could say, isn't that interesting? Why am I so uncomfortable with that? Oh, I'm uncomfortable with it because I wouldn't want to be called that. Why wouldn't I want to be called that? Because of all that goes with it, because of the presumption that I'm a neo-Nazi, white supremacist, and that's not what she was saying. She's calling a fact a fact that is hurtful, that it's invalidating, and that it calls me out as different and not as much as because of my race. And so the word for that was racist, but white people have a real hard time with that word, just like we do with white supremacy, because of how we've ingested what it's meant. If we can look at ourselves and really get that moment to say, whoa, why did that sting? Or why did that hurt? Or why am I having that reaction? And just meet our judgment with curiosity so much more is possible. And my fear is people will be too quick to act and miss out on that opportunity to do the self-work. You know, I think the term racist, people have come to receive that as something that only applies to Caucasian people. Yes. You know, when you hear racist, it's like, oh, you're talking about white people. You know, there are people who are black or or of other ethnicities that use unsavory terms towards other races. And I don't hear people saying, oh, they're racist. They just have a certain opinion. But I hear people refer to white people as racist. Mm -hmm. Right. 
And really, we're all consuming the same diet. It's just a matter of how our body metabolizes it and how the culture around us metabolizes it. But we're all really consuming the same diet, which is just filled with all kinds of separate, different, not as good as messages, women, not enough, not thin enough, not young enough not white enough, not light enough. It's whatever it is, it's not enough. When you all know as faith-based women that we were born enough when we were born, we've been more than enough. That's how we came to be in existence. So, wow, why are we consuming so much of a diet that tells us we're not? Well, you know, on top of being a faith-based woman, when you go into a workplace, it's like you have to keep that part of you quiet, right. you know, like there's a certain, you know, people don't want to be, people of color don't want to be seen as volatile because they are people of faith. Um, there's a lot of messages that you go into the office with, even when you start, first being that you have to be twice as good as everyone else mm -hmm. to keep your job, no matter what that job is. And anyone could come and take your job at any time. Mm -hmm. I think the fact that there's so many people out of work right now, one of the things that a lot of faith-based people are concerned with is what's going to happen when we all have to That's try right. to get jobs. Because now there are tons of people who are white and of other ethnicities to yep. choose from, and they're out of work too. Mm -hmm. They're going to get first preference That's is right. the thinking. You know, it's not a thing of, oh, well, I have my, I've worked the job for many, many years. I have the education. I have the background. Now it's like, okay, they're out of work too. And when it comes time to start filling the jobs, they're going to get chosen first. And we're just going to have to try to figure out what we're going to have to do to make ends meet until, mm -hmm. you know, the quotas are filled. Yeah, so unacceptable. And I do know that HR um, in general is working really hard to figure out how to remove the bias from the hiring process um, to the extent that they um, black out or, or redact the names. Wow. They insist that there be paper exchange between people before there's any vocal exchange. Uh, they have to choose their best candidate based on the slate that's offered to them. So the recruiters have to make sure there are all different kinds of people in the slate. And then when they lean towards someone who looks more like them, really challenging them on how is that going to add value to your team in a way that you don't already have on yeah. your team? But this is, you're talking about, you know, hundreds of years of practice that have to be overturned. But the more we can make them aware of it, that's why I go back to the, their heart. Because if they could really get in touch with themselves, I just believe when we're quiet, we're still, the answer will come. And we'll know, we all know when someone says something off color, like everybody knows that. You know what it feels like. Where do you get the courage to speak up when you see that happen? And in the workplace, when you're talking about your livelihood, it's very unlikely, especially unlikely, to ask a person of color to be the one who speaks up. 
it has to be their allies that have a closer alignment to the people in power, most likely white people. Yeah. Lisa, I got to tell you, I really, and Ellie, I didn't mean to but I really was very so cynical when I first started realizing that people were doing interviews by video conference, because I thought that that was an opportunity in which to see someone realize that they were a person of color and go, uh -uh, they're not a fit or they're too old or they're, there's some, I mean, not just the, the color bias, but this person is too old. They don't fit because of Maybe they're too big, too small, like you said. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So Mita and Lisa, what can we as women of faith who are in the marketplace, who are interacting with people at home, people at work, people in our communities, what can we do to try to change the narrative? Hmm. I really think we have to be patient with one another. Um, realize that we don't have each other figured out. I think even people of faith, they kind of separate themselves in unnecessary ways. It's like mm -hmm. people say, oh, you know, being of the world, being in the world, but not of the world. Don't take that to be a separatist type of statement. Um, we really have to be more accepting of people who are even not of faith. You know, we can't wall ourselves off and go, okay, this is us and this is them. You know, we really have to be more, this is a time where we are forced to be patient in so many ways. And I think being patient with each other is a big part of it. Yeah, I agree. And I would add, um, really get curious and meet your judgment with curiosity. When you have one of those feelings of, ooh, I didn't like that, ask yourself why. Or uh, like I said to someone on Ellie's call last week, if someone says something like, oh, you're so articulate, where you know the undertone is for a black woman, and, you know, rather than getting defensive, meet that judgment with curiosity and simply ask, well, thank you. I assume you mean that as a compliment. Have you met any other black women who are articulate? Just mm -hmm. curious. Yeah, I'm just curious. Well, wow, I don't know. I guess Oprah. Oh, okay. So you say I'm like Oprah. I like that. Thanks. Well, Michelle. Yeah. Michelle is now Michelle Obama. She's, yeah. She's now the new standard. There you go. Compared to it's exactly. Like, yeah. So all right. And, and the thing is that when a white person says this, they can find ten thousand other white women who white people who say. I didn't mean that as an insult. No, it doesn't matter what your intent is. What matters is the impact. So get curious. Right. Wow. Why did I have that impact on you? Just that to me would be something anyone can do to I try agree. and improve the situation. And do you have any suggested resources for women of faith who want to lend their voice to the conversation? I, I have one that I'm just madly in love with now, right now, because I've been following so many different people. Dr. Amanda Kemp, she has a program called Racial Justice from the Heart. Mm. And it really connected for me. And I'm actually going through her training program for trainers and facilitators at the end of the month. A brilliant, beautiful woman. Check her out. Amanda Kemp, K-E-M-P. 
I don't have a particular resource. My resource is what it's always been, straight from the Bible. I say there's nothing new under the sun. Every circumstance that we face today, you can look at the Bible and see some instance and in where there were people who were facing, you know, mysterious plagues or, you know, <laughs> something. Yeah, something is going on where there is an oppression of a group of people as opposed to, you know, the ruler. I mean, you could see it all it's there. All there. Yeah, in some instance. And, and I, how faith I, carries you. Yeah, that's that's how I approach it as well. You know, when I when I think about what's happening in this day and age, I mean, the Bible even talks about that, right? I was um, looking at the Bible and I have the scripture I wrote here, Galatians 3.28. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male nor female. You are all one in Christ Jesus, right? So mm -hmm. if we approach the world with that kind of love, uh, it sets a level playing field for all of us, right? Where we're all equal and we all coming together with the love of Christ. Uh, so if we approach the world in that way, I think we can make a difference. And, you know, by asking questions and by being compassionate and understanding where we might have some gaps. Mm -hmm. And as you said earlier, Mita, as well, just because you're a person of color doesn't mean that you might not have also uh, some work to do internally. Uh, you know, some of us also struggle with uh, anger, resentment because of, uh, you know, discrimination that we might have uh, faced in the past, or we might even uh, carry preconceived notions about how we think others think of us. And then that in turn makes us behave in certain ways towards others. It's true. So I think we, we have to have a collective, holistic discussion and self-reflective period. Uh, this is not just about white people. It's not just about brown and black, right? It's about us as a community, especially if you're coming from a community of faith, to engage in that kind of reflective practice. Absolutely. I agree. So ladies, tell us how our listeners and our viewers can follow you if they want to learn more about each of you. Lisa? Uh, well, you can find me at lisalordconsulting.com. That's my website. I also have a YouTube channel. It's uh, The name is The Lisa Lord, T-H-E, Lisa Lord. And every week I put out a little two-minute video just to offer a little bit of coaching advice for free. So sign up and you can hear more. And I love that your last name is Lord. I know, right? <laughs> right? Yep. Well, for myself, I actually am on social media on Facebook. You can find me under Mita Washington, M-E-T-A, um, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. And again, I have my um, website. Anyone that's, I always am mindful that there might be somebody tuning in right now that has kind of sitting on the fence in terms of their salvation, Christianity. If you want to know anything about it, you can always reach out to me. Um, at those emails at letspraytogether.org. And certainly, you know, everyone could go to a virtual church now. So I'm inviting, I invite you to Christ. <laughs> I take every opportunity I can. Thank you, Mita. Thank you, Lisa, for engaging in this courageous conversation. Thanks and for to, inviting us. Thank you. You guys, are, you guys are wonderful. Thank you for sharing all of your wisdom and your insight. Now to uh, close out, I want to encourage our community of Christian career women. You know, as women of faith in the marketplace, we are uniquely positioned to make an impact during this time. You know, first and foremost, by praying and asking God to heal our nation. And the next step is to shine where you are. God has given each of us a ministry at home, at work, and in our communities. And that ministry is 
your platform to shine God's light. So let's make the most of this opportunity to engage in constructive conversations, ask questions, and serve as a voice for those who need to be heard. Thank you so much for joining us for this courageous conversation. And until next time, God bless. God bless. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.